recall, in the mid to early 2000s, sure, probably mid, let's say mid now, uh-huh. when so many newspapers, and by newspapers, I mean magazines, and by magazines, I mean tabloids, published so many articles about celebrities getting mercury poisoning from <gasps> eating too much fish. Was this around the time of the Fukushima nuclear what? disaster? What was the Fukushima nuclear disaster? I do not recall this. What? I'm very uninformed. Like, is it Fukushima? Isn't that what it was called? Like, the thing where there was the nuclear mm, plant in Japan that, like, got tsunamied and then exploded and then everyone was like, oh, the fish. Oh, no, the fish. Oh, right. I vaguely recall that. No, I think it might have been around that, but it wasn't exactly that time. It was around the time of Lindsay Lohan's ankle monitor. Oh, geez. Yeah, so that'll help you understand. So the long and short of it is, do you think Nobu is worth dying for? No. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I do think that there's other restaurants that might be. Like? I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Hmm. What food would I die for? Honestly, this is going to sound like a crazy answer, but some days a really, really good meatloaf just hits the spot. No, get out. Leave right now. (laughs) Oh, no, that wouldn't be my final. Like, that wouldn't be the meal that I allowed to kill me. Because that's the thing. There's a difference between, like, your last meal because you're going to die or the meal that you're going to allow to kill you. No one should die because of meatloaf. Like, that... Truly. That's a crime against humanity. Hmm. I'll alert the United Nations. <laughs> the tribunals and all that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, Add it well, to the Geneva Convention. Truly. Um. All right. What would you die for in terms of your food choices, then? I don't know. Um... I mean, almost two and a bit weeks into veganism, baby cheese. (laughs) Frankly, earlier when you're like, you do have a lot of cheese in your fridge, I was just like, oh dear, was this triggering for you? I'm so sorry. No, it's mostly been very good and like totally fine, but I was uh, sniffing some provolone. Mm, I'm so sorry to hear that, but also good for you. V proud, V proud. It's fine. I mean, I have a thousand percent broken a couple times yesterday uh someone bought me a burger mm. i was like this is too nice like i you can't I know. not it has mayonnaise on it like i'm not gonna live look a gift burger in the mouth that would be rude exactly Oof. was it from a and w like their beyond meat ones no it was from the regis <laughs> oh they have a v like a vegetarian burger there yeah it was like a quinoa burger it was oh, like that's fine cool it had guacamole on it which i'm opposed to in a vegetarian really burger. Yeah, I just feel like it's part of the classic, like, throwing too much at it because it's Mm. vegetarian and you don't think that it can stand up on its own. Mm, Fair. But here's the thing. I would say, like, with all burgers that they put guacamole on, I'm always pro because I'm just like, yeah, I love guacamole and I do want that in my life. Yes, but I feel like the kind of kind of guacamole that gets put on a burger is subpar guacamole. Oh, that's very true, though. And it's just too many flavors on top of what like I just want. Like I just want a regular like lettuce, tomato, onion, maybe a cheese. See, this is my actual thing: is that my ideal burger is just bun, thin patty. I never want a thick burger patty. Mm. That's disgusting. People who are like, this patty is this thick, and you could choke on it. No. Ew disgusting yes want that and then i want a little ketchup mayo maybe a pickle but i want them into rounds not slices oh yes because that's just practical Mm -hmm. and then bun maybe some lettuce if i'm really going crazy because there's there's nothing better than like bun with lettuce with a little bit of meat juice and mayo that's (laughs) the best 
I stand by that. Anyways, foods that I would die for. Uh, I'm now realizing that I would 100% die for that wasabi butter that I had in Versailles that one time. It was incredible. If somebody wanted to give that to me, like a truck, I'm not saying like one little bite. I'm saying like if I had a truckload of that and I knew it was going to end in death, but I got to eat the whole thing, like a truckload of that butter and bread, I probably would. I think you'd get too bloated. You'd like start throwing up before you died. Mm, that's encouraging then. It means I could do it again. That's true. Anyways, we're not talking about any of this, except for actually, <laughs> no, you know what? No, we are. We're talking about mercury poisoning, which is why I brought this up. This oh. episode of Pantry Staples, the podcast where we dish on your favorite foods, is about the Basra poison grain disaster. Oh my goodness. Who the hell are you? Who the hell am I? A cohesive introduction that had actually some relevance. Excuse you, I'm a professional. I'm a professional podcaster now. Cool. Well, my name's Marika, and I'm Emily. <laughs> oh God, I'm really not nailing it. That was where the introduction went. Good job. Well, we're here. We're doing it. Are you ready to hear about some things that are sad? Yeah, you've been basically crying while doing research while I cook dinner. So again, the things the the recent or the the frequent way that we do this, just so that the viewers at home, and by viewers I mean listeners, and by our moms I mean our moms. Uh-huh uh do this is that i say i've done my research haven't and then make marinka do a lot of effort to feed and wine me i suppose while i sit here and like read a few articles and i'm like "Mm, sadness she's here but you know what it all works out because i like uh i like making food yeah it was a delicious dinner 10 out of 10 to marinka thanks chef's kiss all right so let me tell you some things are you ready yes 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 all right one mercury it's a thing we don't like it Yes, I have no stories from people such as my parents and other people who are older mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> playing with the literal silver balls. Yeah, not good. Super not good. But also seems really fun. Shut up, I know. Don't, like, I can't hear that sort of stuff, though, because I will go and find, like, some sort of vintage um, thermometer. Thank you. And pull that stuff out because I just want to try it once. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, not- I feel like... To interject. I think that, like, if you did it once, it would be fine. fine. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, I, like, saw some really gnarly picture today of some dude whose face was, like, eroded (gasps) because he was, like, trying to treat some sort of ailment with mercury. And then it, like, his, like, nose, upper lip, slash, like, under eye, like, this entire... I'm, like, drawing it on for you right here. It was all melted away. And then they had to do all this reconstructive surgery and just, like, pull all of his face together. And it's, like... Yo, Mercury, no joke. No joke, my friends. And that's, like, recent enough that there's photographic evidence? Like, not... It wasn't, like, so recently, but photos have been around for, like, only a hot second, so there you go. I don't know when photos were invented. I feel like this was the late 1800s. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But anyways, still, or, like, early 1900s, which still freaky recently, like, within 100 years, and people were just, like, fucking around with Mercury. Yes. Not cool. Anyways, this disaster, the Basra Poisoned Grain Massacre, occurred Mm -hmm. in... Massacre? I would say massacre. I'm using that now, (laughs) willy-nilly. They were massacred by the grain. Okay, yes. I will use that term. I'm 100% committed to it now. Sure, sure. I think massacre implies uh, intention. Yeah, the grain intended to fuck them up. (laughs) Anyways, I'm continuing. Uh It occurred in 1971. Oh, so recent. Recent. That is 50 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Approximately 50, 49, 50, 51. 51. Good job, math. Math. <laughs> so it was a methylmercury poisoning incident. What is methylmercury, you might mm-hmm. ask? Mm-hmm. It's a fungicide. And it's used to prevent rot in grains. Okay. Like wheat and barley. Yeah. 
like a lot of grain actually, like a ton of grain has been treated with this, as you don't know, because if you're importing it or shipping it somewhere, exporting it, I should say, and it's somewhere where it's going to be humid and the grain might potentially have to like, you might've lost a ton in transit before. Now you don't have to because you have literal mercury covering your fucking wheat. So that, you know, fung can't grow mm-hmm. because it kills things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we have a bunch of grain being treated with this methyl mercury not something that is intended for human consumption so smart to put that on a food product yep such as wheat so it's supposed to no longer be toxic after you plant it oh please Uh, I don't know. Again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not getting involved here. But the long and short of it is the plan is you have this stuff that's covered in it. You plant this and then outgrows healthy, edible wheat. And this has been administered in this specific instance to a wheat that is very high yield and very fast growing. So it seems like a good idea because they're getting the maximum amount of wheat, like bang for your buck. And also you need a lot of it because you need to replenish crops, right? Yeah, this sounds like total 60s logic. 100% it does. <laughs> so anyways. It's like, don't worry. It just, it just grows out You just out grow of out of it. It's you fine. just grow out of the pesticides that you're grown in. Totally fine. Totally Not fine. a problem. Shh, yeah. Shh, shh, shh. No, I don't. I, I can't interact with that. This whole time I'm just like, I really need to read like 10,000 scientific articles <laughs> that were trying to back up this point of view. But then I was like, mm, but do I need to read lies today? No, I don't. Anyway, so mercury, been used as a fungicide, fun- fungicide, fungicide, sure. I don't know, since 1914, if I recall the year of the war. Yes, and also, frankly, more recent than I would have thought. That sounds like mercury's been around and in things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. forever. You'd think that they'd start applying it to food, like, back in, like, the 1700s. Nah, I feel like this was the most documented kind. Uh, they must have just been fucking around before. Sure. Also, they 100% tried to use it to cure syphilis, but then, surprise, surprise, people were dead, and they were like, weird, that didn't work out. <laughs> uh, anyways, so, the new year, 1971, like I said, we're in Iraq. Okay. Yeah. We're in Iraq. Just picture it. 1971 okay so we're not yet gulf war we're not i don't know what happened again we've had this conversation i don't know what happened again i i would like to defend myself here because i know (laughs) first of all i'd like to say earlier i said you'll be like i don't i don't know any of the history about what's going on here and Riku goes will you be insulted if i tell you that i'm not surprised i mean i'm sorry but i've known you for four years we've been doing the podcast for four years we're getting old hey yeah i feel like it's more than that anyways it feels like a lifetime I mean, four years feels like a long time. So true. Anyways, continue. Uh, yeah, I don't know shit about nothing. Yeah, we've been doing the podcast for two-ish. Mm-hmm. We've established. Your lack we've established of that I don't have a lot of general knowledge. Although I will say on that in a defensive note here, today at work, nobody knew what the Ides of March was and I was V-rattled by that. So if you'd like to discuss the Ides of March, I would be very happy to. Please uh, reach out to us on Panda Staples. Yeah, if anyone wants to hear about them, I will send you a voice memo about my feelings. She will. I rolled my sleep up as though I was like, or sleeve, sorry, as I was ready to go. Um, Anyways. (laughs) texting thumbs are. My texting thumbs are ready. I did read a book called The Silk Road, and it it detailed Mm. basically history, but like of Asia and the Middle East and that sort of stuff. The history that we don't typically get in Western schools. Yes. So I feel like I did get a decent amount of like information about that. But then the whole last bit, I was just like, this is so complicated and nuanced. And I don't really feel like this author is prepared to tell me the total truth. So I still don't really know what was going on. But anyways, long <laughs> convoluted history in Iraq and also the Middle East in general. And like 
Lots going on there. Not time to unpack. Anyways. No. 1971 Iraq. Drought for two years. Ooh. Like massive drought. Like we're in the midst of a famine. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Something that's going to be happening all the damn time these days. Hashtag climate change. Who is she? Who is she? Where did she come from? Who could have predicted? Who could have fucking predicted? Anyways. So people are getting pretty hungry. Yep. Pretty antsy. Mm. Pretty cranky if I might may. Yep. So, what does Saddam Hussein, number two in charge of the country, formerly on the agricultural board or whatever they have there? That's very cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know, this was right? his start. That was, was agriculture. Started from the bottom of the whole team here. <laughs> uh, anyways, that is, in fact, where he came up. Yeah, so what does he do when he sees his people starving? He decides, you know what? We got to get some grain. Frankly? Great instincts. Great instincts. <laughs> not not a bad call not right there. Not at all. Very, um... Nah, never mind. I was, I'm like, we need to tread so carefully on what we're saying here. Um, anyways, he goes and he's like, we need to import some grain. We need to get the yields up. We need to get these crops going. People are getting hungry. Totally fair. That's what anyone would do. This is your people. You're concerned. Where are you going to get this grain from? Well, of course you're going to get it from America and Mexico because they have high yield grain that's been specifically designed for this and you have a good price. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 90 thousand tons of grain wheat and barley was imported whoa yeah a lot of it uh-huh. it was called mexipac that's the like varietal oh it was God. designed from by somebody in mexico named norman borlaug so that's pretty cool sorry there's a man in mexico named norman borlaug yeah i, I assume he was a nazi <laughs> thank you <laughs> what no I, that was the that was, that was the joke I that was, was the make. joke yeah of course mm-hmm. so anyways He's like, yeah, we got to get some of this grain. That's pretty impressive. What is the seed covered with? Oh, yeah, mercury. Good old methyl mercury. Yeah. Everyone in the later reports is like, yep, and I just want to make it very clear that the Iraqi government decided that we needed the mercury-coated grain. I just want to make it clear that they were the ones that picked this. So I'm like, interesting. Some real passing the buck nonsense, but sure, I'll believe it. Whatever. I mean, were they given an option of non I don't know. Again, Prob- we don't know. Cargill was the supplier. They brought all of this over. 500,000 people suffering from famine. Of course, you pick the option that's going to get them food the fastest and the best and the most likely to succeed. No shade on that. The yeah. trouble is, they got it there too late. Oh. Uh, the grain arrives between October and November. Uh-huh. Not really that helpful anymore. Because people are already- People have already planted the grain. Their crops are in. They don't want it anymore. Ah. So what do they do with this grain? Well, there's two reports. One, the report is that this grain was just handed out, like distributed for free to anyone who needed it, or it was being paid for with like in kind, so you could kind of trade for it. The other report is that it was stolen from the docks in Basra when it arrived. Who's putting out those reports? A variety, like it's a total mixed bag. Mm, Yeah, lots of different sources saying a lot of different things. I would imagine that it was given out. Like, freely. Yeah, and then later, after, like, a huge uh, poisoning event, you'd say that it was stolen. 100%. Just a continuation of the passing the buck. Exactly. And, like, this whole thing is, like, a media nightmare. Like, we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. So this grain, it's getting handed out to people. It seems a bit haphazard, the way that we're going about it. And it's... I mean, shocking. Iraq in the 70s. Like, aren't we still dealing with, like, communist 
plots or was that like the 80s still i don't i don't know and i didn't want to super get into that because i didn't really want to discuss like the geopolitics yeah i don't need to get into that but the fact of the matter is is like any country in the midst of a famine is probably not going to be the most organized in the way that they hand things out like you're in a place of crisis you need to respond in kind uh so it starts getting handed out originally this grain when it's being distributed the distributors are supposed to be letting them know that this is not something that is like able to be consumed by humans safely it is it has to be planted in order for it to be safe right so So what they're saying is you can't just eat the grain as you can't grain. just mill it and like grind it and turn it into bread you can't feed it to your livestock it has to go in the ground and so grow out of its mercury exactly grow out of its mercury you know we all have a dangerous phase once in a while <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm just coming out of my mercury phase oh my god is it mercury mercury is in retrograde oh my god frankly oh no. shocking that it's taken us this long 17 15 minutes to get to this the distributors are told that they absolutely must tell the farmers that are getting this. Right. But that's like telling a reservation of five. They need to be out by like <laughs> two hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's like only the host knows and even they don't give a shit. Exactly. So you have this really interesting mix of like one distributors not wanting to tell them or not having time, frankly, or like the resources are just like this. There just isn't a, like a system in place to tell everybody. Sure. So there's one. Two, you have people who genuinely don't give a shit. They're like, cool, I'm starving. I'm going to eat what I'm going to eat. Yes, and I'm sure you also have people who are like, I don't want to sell this with a caveat because I want to make a buck. Exactly. So there's that too. You also have people who are incredibly distrustful of their government. So aren't going to necessarily believe what they're being told, even if it is a warning about the health ramifications. You also have illiterate farmers who do not know. They're supposed to sign with either a signature or their thumbprint to confirm that they have been told this. Of course this is not happening. Uh, of course. Yeah. Why are you having a dangerous food product go out in the middle of a crisis situation? It's insane. Especially I'm, when ugh. it's so late. Like, had this arrived months earlier where they could plant it, grow it, maybe we'd see a very different situation. All of this is to say that this grain gets consumed. Either Duh. by yeah. the people milling it into bread. It was apparently very popular to have this pink bread because <gasps> the grain was pink. Because To indicate it. Not because of the mercury, oh. but they dyed it pink to let you know that it was dangerous. Oh, God. The sacks have written on them in English and in Spanish that it is dangerous, like warning labels. But nobody sure, but speaks e- either of these languages what? there, obviously. <clears throat> they also have the skull and crossbones sign on the bag. Oh. Everyone thought it was a stylistic design because <gasps> this is the thing. And this was, I was freaking out as I was reading this. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? <gasps> this isn't a universal signal for like poison? No, that's not a universal signal for poison. People didn't know. So you have all of these steps that have just been like either missed or just like culturally were not integrated well. And next thing you know, you have people making pink bread for their kids. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Is is it a universal symbol now? I didn't want to look it up because honestly, I thought I was going to be too sad if I found the wrong answer. Anyways. So. The long and short of it is. A lot of people have mercury poisoning. I'm covering my whole nose with my hand. I know. I know. How is this the worst disaster that we've done yet? I'm sorry. I know. Like, oh, no. It gets much, much worse. Like, oh, I'm not even it? in it. Uh. So what are you suffering from with mercury poisoning? Oh, it would be paresthesia. So numbness of the skin. Your skin is numb. You can't touch your skin. Uh. How scary is that, by the way? Like, what if you just got hit by something and you're entirely... Thing, it's a whole thing. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole deal with, like, leprosy, isn't it? Where it's like you don't know you've been 
Or just like in general, your skin's supposed to hurt and you're supposed to be able to feel things because that's a defense mechanism. So not only is it like one, a really bad, scary thing, but also it's making you more susceptible to other stuff. Anyways, uh, ataxia, which is lack of muscle movement coordination. Uh, Vision loss. So you can't fucking see. Oh yeah. 459 people died from this. Frankly, fewer than I would have expected. But yeah, still- do you want to know why that number is so low? Is because culturally it is more acceptable to die in your home in Iraq, which is great. Like, totally have your cultural practices, but it means those deaths aren't getting recorded. Not to mention there was an entire media blackout on this. So nobody was actually keeping very close tabs on the numbers. This didn't come to light until 1973 when an American reporter found out about it and kind of like blew the story wide open. Of course. Yeah. So, Uh, do you want to know what the worst thing about this is? No, no, not the worst thing, but just one of the many worst things. Many mercury poisoning incidents have already occurred in Iraq. We have 1956 and also 1960. In 1956, there were 200 cases with 70 deaths. 70. uh, Then there were, in 1960, 1,000 cases with 200 deaths. Was it all from American slash Mexican grains? I don't think it was necessarily from American slash Mexican grains, but it was because of, like, this fungicide. So, as I said, it's supposed to be treated with this color, this coloring agent to indicate that it is, but honestly, it washes off. So if you have some unscrupulous dealers or you're just not really that concerned, you kind of wash it off and you assume to yourself, hey, probably good to go. The color washes off. The mercury doesn't. You're still going to die. Right, but, uh, okay. Yep. So, that's super fun. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So these, most of it, like, I think it was over 50% was handed out in these three northern provinces. So, Nineveh, Kirkuk, and Erbil. A lot of the times, too, these people were so heavily dependent because of this grain being introduced that their own crops that they had were then sold off because they were concerned that the market was like, they wouldn't make any money on it because of this new supply. So they sold their crops becoming completely dependent on this new poisoned grain. So we have, as I, as I mentioned, paralysis, muscle loss, blindness, blindness, death occurring. And people are just handcuffed into this situation. And probably, not entirely sure at least in the beginning why it's happening oh my god 100 percent. so first of all this is there's a decently long incubation period it's not like you Mm. eat the bread and get sick it's like between 16 and 38 days after you eat it that you're going to start seeing signs so people didn't know at first 100 percent. and you're in very rural areas where this is happening so it's not like you're you know you don't have a ton of information about this then you're going to the hospital and Thankfully, your doctors know what the fuck is going on. Because they've had two previous mercury poisoning incidents. That's super fun. (laughs) So let's also just, I need to really emphasize, people were not just infected because they ate bread made with this tainted wheat. They were infected because they ate animals that had been fed this grain. Yeah. Because they had eaten birds that had picked off the (gasps) grains from the ground. Because they'd eaten fish that came from the contaminated water from like the runoff from when people are oh my gosh that they'd eaten vegetables that were grown in this contaminated soil not even the vegetarians are safe not even the vegetarians are safe my dude even the dust that comes when they grind and sow this wheat 
is contaminated. So you're breathing this in. Like, this is not just, like, a casual, like, okay, you eat this loaf of bread, you're not safe, you don't eat it, you're safe. No, 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 no. This is very hard to avoid. Which I think really just points to how crazy it is that this was even... This was even considered is insane. Because even if you're planting it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's gonna be so dangerous like even if you're this is the thing why are we using chemicals that are so dangerous for us when they're going to leach into our soil Uh, hashtag all pesticides currently it's just insane that we're okay with this like i understand that we need to have high yield crops i understand that we need to take care of like issues that would prevent us from having them because that's a concern but it's also just an absolutely crazy thing to do that we think that all of this isn't connected that we think that the actual soil that we grow things in isn't going to adversely affect us if that gets contaminated Again, it's total mid-century logic. Bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. you can have a high-yield crop and not kill people. Yeah. By all other methods of even associating with that product. Yep. Ugh. It's absolutely insane. Anyways, December 21st, the first patient is admitted to a hospital with alkali mercury poisoning. By the 26th, the hospital is now recommending to the government that they need to like declare some sort of an emergency with this. Like that is how many people in that five day span become ill. Mm. Wasn't until January of 1972 that the government warned people not to eat the grain. I mean, okay, wait a minute. That's only, that's like. Still, I don't know. I don't care though. It should have happened the day after. Yeah. It should have happened the day that they were told. They had time. They did not mention how many people were sick. There was a total media blackout on this. Very little information actually got out and it was just completely covered up. Which again, I don't want to be, this is the other thing. I'm very hesitant in this whole like conversation. I don't want to make the government the bad guy in this because obviously there were some poor decisions made and that sort of things and wasn't handled well. And it's going to look much worse in a minute Mm. uh, when I tell you more things. But on the other hand, how do you deal with a populace that is starving? When your crops have failed year after year. Of course it's a difficult place to be in. Right. And uh, who is in power at this time? Like, is it... It's Saddam Hussein and one other dude. (laughs) Whose name I did not write down because I kind of felt like we didn't need it. Very good. So, like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to feed into, like, American rah-rah conspiracies. But it's like... rhetoric. Although, if we are talking conspiracies, I feel like this one puts America in a bad place. I'm just saying. Oh, like, they are a thousand percent to blame mm-hmm. from everything that you've told me in the I'm last just like, 20 minutes. I feel like this was them poisoning them. Uh, interesting. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'd have know, to I don't know anything about anything. It just, that seems like too messy of a choice. And like, Oh, did you know it was supposed to kill 3 million people? The sheer amount of grain that went out there. And it was only because we did eventually find out that it was poisonous. Had all of this been used right away, 3 million people would have died. Oh, so then because of bureaucracy and it got there late, it didn't, Partly bureaucracy and also just, like, the distribution wasn't, like, as efficient. And eventually people, like, didn't. Like, eventually enough people thought they shouldn't. Anyways, Um, let's get back to this. Yes. So, the Iraqi army was charged with the disposal of the grain, and anyone found selling it was subject to the death penalty. Harsh, but also... I'm sorry, you have a public health crisis on your hands. I think we should be harsh about these sorts of things. death... Anyway, you can never argue for that. It's a hard, it's a hard sell. So grain mainly dumped, right? Where does it end up? The Tigris River. God damn it! One of the main rivers. Filled with fish, I'm sure. Filled with so many fish, and such a water source for so many people. An incredibly dangerous place to contaminate, and yet it is. 
the many different kinds of treatments for mercury poisoning that were tried in 1972. Is it more mercury? No, it's a whole bunch of bullshit. I didn't even write it down because I just wanted to say in summation, didn't fucking work. Was it crystals? (laughs) Basically. A lot of different things that were all like the reports of them are all like, yeah, we found that super didn't work. Good job. <laughs> it's like they're basically doing like 18th century. Like we've tried a spell, we've cut open a black cat, <laughs> and weird, it didn't work. Huh? Like, better luck next time. Yeah, genuinely. And like again, how tragic for these doctors to be like, cool. My what third epidemic of this? Yeah, like if you were a, I don't know, 40 year old doctor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awful. So 6,530 patients were admitted to the hospital with, as I mentioned, 459 deaths. Many did not seek treatment. You are living in rural areas. You do not have access necessarily to medical like treatment. Yeah. You have an incredible distrust over these systems. Mm-hmm. You don't trust that the, there's, you don't have any faith that there's going to be a solution. You don't think the treatments are going to work. Which wouldn't necessarily be wrong. Which wouldn't be wrong. And these hospitals are overcrowded. You're dying at home. And you don't have the resources probably. Exactly. Like, ugh. The whole uh, thing is absolutely uh, fucked. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, like I said, dying at home. Some Iraqi doctors suspect that 100,000 cases of brain damage occurred because of this and that the death toll was 10 times as high. That is an unfathomable amount of damage. You have what they call, like, silent babies, I think it was, or something like that, is children, like babies and infants who were affected by mercury poisoning that made almost no noise because their neurological systems were so damaged. You see, they cannot technically prove it because correlation is not causation, but you see young boys, school age, who are affected, whose grades significantly dropped. This is like, quite frankly, an entire generation of people that were basically ruined from this. Like, not to overstate it, but I will overstate it. Of course. We're all, we're, we're here yeah. for hyperbole. So that's pretty awful. Very <sighs> sad. Methylmercury was banned in Sweden from 1966. The UK followed in 1971. So isn't that nice that the Iraqi people could be the guinea pigs for the British so that they knew not to do that. Anyways, after this tragedy, tighter regulations, better labeling and handling of mercury-treated grains and more movement from the World Health Organization occurred. And uh, there was a, like, conference in Iraq being like, we've learned some things. Great. Super great. So did they stop using it? It is now no longer used, yes. But like immediately or like in the <laughs> 80s they stopped? <laughs> Progress takes time, Marika. Sure. Don't you know? Yeah, it's so hard to just not use a pesticide after one season. Mm-hmm. So that's the Basra Grain Massacre. And I am, yes, using the term massacre for this. Now that we've gone through it, I don't think that that's out of place. It's absolutely horrific. Like, can you imagine being those poor people who, like, you're just, you're so hungry. Your crops have failed. Like, when we talk about the Irish potato famine, Mm. like, that is what it feels like. Mm. You don't know when your next meal is coming from. You don't know if you're going to get enough calories in you to make it through the day. And you finally see this, like, light at the end of the tunnel. And you think, okay, great, my government has been proactive. And next thing you know, you can't see. And you're like, children are dead. There was a predominantly larger death toll amongst children under 10. How absolutely tragic. I mean, of course there was, because they're definitely more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. (sighs) 
Yeah, I have like no words. It's just, it sounds like, like it sounds like ergotism. Like it sounds like a medieval mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. of like a grain poisoning. Yeah. It's horrible. And then it's so interesting too, because I was thinking back to our episodes on like bread and like just different things that were industrialized. And there was a line that I read in one of the articles that said something along the lines of, in like the main cities, we didn't see this because there was greater testing going on and like Mm. great tighter regulations on like the things that were being used. So nobody really was seeing this in more like urban centers. It's rural areas. And it's like, okay, wow don't want to agree with all those people being like trust the industrialized bread that you're getting don't eat at homemade <laughs> bread but a part of me is like wow what a dangerous situation that's gone on but that's also such an interesting dichotomy because mm-hmm. it's like if you're thinking about like the industrial bread mm-hmm. a lot of that is coming especially in like north america mm-hmm. that's coming from like a north american like trust in government regulations and like yeah we should trust the government and the corporations Mm -hmm. because they're the ones giving us this home, this industrial Mm -hmm. sanitized bread Mm -hmm. because you have the government on both sides of it being like, here's your grain enjoy. And just like letting that ride. But then you also are like, Oh no, no, you live in the city. You're fine. Again, like I don't want to be like classist here, but it's a bit classist. It's a thousand percent classist. Mm -hmm. Of course it's classist. It's always classist. It's always classist. Everybody hates the poor. Well, of course, because as I've said, I hate the new rich more. It's fine. Easy there. <laughs> My most iconic quote. What's worse than being poor? Being new money. My most iconic quote to completely take us out of this very mm. sad topic. I hate. Wait, was it? I love bad things. I saw House of Gucci twice. <laughs> Frankly, accurate. A thousand percent. It was so much. Like, I enjoyed it. Of course I did. But once you said that you didn't think they knew it was camp, I was like, what? They didn't. Whatever. We don't have to get into it. So yeah, that was my disaster. I don't have anything more to say. (sighs) Wow. Well. Yeah. So I did do an explosion (sighs) today, actually. An explosion of sadness. It was an explosion of sadness. Jeez. uh, Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling me uh, about this penultimate disaster. A penultimate. I love that word. Thanks. Such a good one. Did you ever read a series of unfortunate events as a child? You hate a series, so I, I assume no. I hate a series. No. I, hate I, re- I think I only read book two. I honestly <laughs> want to hit you some days when you say shit like this to me. I'm like, what do you? What do I? What am I supposed to do with this information? I read book two of a series of unfortunate events. You better believe I say it to bug you. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, I feel like the second to last book was called, like, The Penultimate Something, and I was just Uh, like, I love it! Yep. Yeah. I feel like I read The Penultimate book in that series before I read any of the others, not realizing it was a series. If I may digress for a moment, because we do need to talk about something other than this, because it's too sad. Mm -hmm. I feel like all too often, I was gifted as a child the wrong book in a series. Like, the wrong number for me to start. And I would always be just like, this is very nice, but, like, I... I'm very confused because I don't know what's happening because it's the second book in the series. Just like get it together. That's so on brand for you. Truly. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, sorry to bum you out, but also that's literally the point of this series. So deal with it. Enjoy. And like sometimes there's like a nice like positive spin at the end where it's like, and then things got better, but it's like, nope, things are still kind of bad. They just didn't. Spoiler alert. Get worse. Iraq, not doing well. We don't hear much about Iraq anymore, do we? No news is good news. 
I don't know. I feel like, again, media blackout. Anyway, moving on. We're not a political podcast. We're, no, we're not. not. At nearly... We're only a pro-Roman podcast. We are. That we are. As mm-hmm. per the Ides of March chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Pantry Staples Pod. I'll try and remember to actually post about the episode. I know you've noticed and are very mad at me. No comment. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your foes. And we will see you for the finale of uh, this disaster's season in a week or so. Yeah, whenever. You know, I mean, it's every other week, but who knows? Who's to say? Okay. Uh, bye, we bye. love you. Bye.